Welcome, everyone, to Tabletop Journeys. This is our field trip episode, and we're not doing a fantasy game this time. We are doing Black Cat Games, The Spy Game. It's a homebrew world of my own creation, one that I've worked on in various systems for years. But we are starting this campaign right from the beginning with our very first mission, the Aurora Initiative. We have four players who are all patrons here at Tabletop Journeys, and I welcome them all. I'm going to have them introduce themselves by their character names and games or things you want to plug. We'll start with the character, Oscar. Yeah, sure. My name is Daniel. You might know me from the fantasy world where I am playing Candy. Here I am, codename Oscar, real name Martin Ackerman, uh, uh, social engineer from South Africa. Excellent. And next we have Codename Mercury. Hi, uh, I'm Benito. I'll be playing Mercury. You may know me from all the guys at Tabletop who talk about me killing them in the old Alana state and torturing men's Stream Sparrow as a current. And uh, for our first adventures here on this, New tabletop journey here, doing something more modern. Then we have Zhao. Hi, Xiao is the character name, and my name's Fiona. I also play Kess in uh, the other podcast. Excellent. And last but not least, we have Dealer. We did a session zero where we talked about a lot of things. We actually did that in two parts because of schedules reality. Hey, this is 2022, y'all. Things happen. However, it is important to note that I did want to go over here because I'm not sure exactly the form the session zero will take when it, when we get ready to air these episodes. Uh, a couple of things that we discussed, and they are very important. First of all, for, for lines, we were very clear. We're not going to be discussing anything involving rape and nothing involving any kind of child abuse. Those are things that will not be discussed or part of this part of this game for all reasons that should be obvious. Second, I think for lines flash veils, we will be discussing or we will be avoiding topics dealing with torture. The idea here is that will be that it does happen in this type of game world but it will always be off screen, off camera, off. Essentially, the only description we're going to do in game would be uh, X NPC wants to torture Y PC or Y NPC. There's going to be a die roll, no description. Similarly, if a PC wishes to do that, there's a die roll, no description. That's how we'll handle that sensitive topic. As always, please understand that Anything that we discuss because of the modern nature of the game, you have the right to say it's a little touchy. You can ask for a pause. You can do so silently. I do have my Facebook IM chat, in which we have a group chat set up. So if there's something you're worried about that we're leaning into, send there and then make some kind of visual so I know to look. That way I can that way I can see what's going on and put a halt to anything that's becoming troublesome. I believe that a modern game has a lot more concern with dipping into dangerous topics than 
than fantasy games because of the current nature of things. So we want to be extra careful and I want everybody to feel safe in this space when we're gaming today and in the future. The last thing is when I started the Session Zeros, the world was a vastly different place. Since that time, we have the nation of Russia attacking the sovereign nation of the Ukraine. I did not anticipate that happening in any way, shape or form, but it's the world we live in, unfortunately. So one of the things with this modern game is we are set in the year 2052. However, I am not utilizing any of that as part of the history of this game. I think we're too close to the topic. I will hit on other issues of concern and nation state and nation building and colonialism and other issues that surround and permeate the world from the deep past to the recent past and to this very day. But I am not, however, touching on that particular topic. It's a little too close to the vest for me. The different governments will have different issues in this game, but the events of the Ukraine are just not going to be part of that. Strike Team is set in 2052, and a few things have changed from real-world history to game-world history. So, history of the Earth remains the same, but on March 14th, 1994, things were changed forever. A coordinated terrorist attack strikes both the Panama Canal and the Suez Canal simultaneously. Explosives detonate at both sites, and while conventional explosives were used in the Suez, the devastation was nearly complete, rendering the site useless for nearly two decades. In Panama, radiation from a series of dirty bombs rendered the canal and most of Panama uninhabitable, even to this day. The world fell into economic crisis, dealing with supply chain failures, a Central American <coughs> health and refugee crisis on a scale never before seen. The stoppage of international trade and commerce coupled with the political wrangling and international efforts to avoid culpability for the massive failures within the international intelligence community led to infighting within allied groups. Baseless accusations of guilt led to armed conflicts. By the summer of 1996, all-out war in Africa, South America, and Southeast Asia. The superpowers, eager to maintain access to their precious resources, stepped in and escalated these conflicts, and the human toll was vast. Many Western nations had to reinstate compulsory service to field enough troops to meet the need of the wars being fought. Nations such as the U.S. and Great Britain began to actively censor the press, stopping the free flow of information before it could sideline their efforts and actions. Underground news sources using the burgeoning power of the internet rose from the ashes of the press. These reports became celebrated in their own rights, exposing scandals from the top echelons of power. It took nearly 20 years of conflict, but eventually the world would return to some sort of normalcy. People around the world wrestled control of their warmongering governments, replacing them with more even-tempered and pragmatic leaders through the electorate. Efforts to avoid the tragedies of the past were moved to the front of the world's agenda, and the UN was rechartered and better funded. Interpol was given wire powers to include adding intelligence and counterintelligence to its mandate, in addition to international policing. This new agency is known as the United Nations Interpol Intelligence Agency, UNIIA. 
and its highly trained operatives and administrators were vetted and pooled from all over the world. The mandate is detailed in a large document signed by the UN Security Council and is encapsulated by the unofficial motto of their rank and file, never again. Among the many departments and divisions within the UNIIA is the Strike Team Division. This group of highly trained, dedicated, and motivated operatives fill many roles, but mostly known for taking on dangerous and ultra-sensitive intelligence and covert missions. Strike teams range in numbers from four to eight members and can operate in combat, intelligence gathering, and even in undercover capacities. Individuals are expected to cultivate contacts and work off book and off script. They are the unknown superstars of the intelligence community. In June of 2052, the UNIIA Interpol Academy graduated its 25th class into service. The world has been a safer place. These are the stories of the people who put their lives on the line to make that narrative true. So that's the general concept. However, I should also add, not everybody has to necessarily be part of the strike team. There is also other organizations. I need everybody to roll a D20. And if you'd be so kind as to put that response in our chat. What we're doing with this D20 is a little uh, different take on the collaborative world building that is a, a hallmark of Tabletop Journeys. I have a table that's all set up with various prompts, but they don't all happen at the same time. They will happen at various points throughout the adventure. So depending on what your role is, I will give you your prompt at the appropriate time. Excellent. Got them. So here we go. Everybody is at the base. Your base is located in what was formerly known as Hanscom Air Force Base in Massachusetts. It's just outside of Boston. For any who are not familiar with the area, it's actually near Lexington Concord. I'm not sure which town it actually exists in, but at anywhere, at any rate, it is a big base for the area. In the year 2052, it has officially been sold to the UN, and by way of that, Interpol. So it's a major facility for Interpol. They have offices downtown Boston but this is the big base in the Northeast for Interpol. This strike team operates from this office. Strike teams tend to operate from regional offices such as this, as opposed to field offices, which would exist in any major city for which a state may have five or six major cities. Massachusetts, by by the way, only has the regional office because everything in Mass is within distance of this. Capital cities in each state will definitely have, with the exception of Vermont, they can't even they can't even have a, a McDonald's in Vermont. I love you all in Vermont. I do. I really do. But you don't even have McDonald's in your capital city. So Montpelier does not have a field office, but the rest of New England, every state does have its own field office. Every capital does have that. In other states, such as California, there's one in... San Diego, one in Los Angeles, one in Sacramento, one in San Francisco. Major cities will have field offices, a set of operatives, a set of security teams, facilities, equipment, and resources in those areas. The UN has designated 
as a sovereign UN territory that is not considered U.S. territory. Effectively, it is like an embassy, but relations with the U.S. are such that extradition terms do exist. So you can't go there to hide from your U.S. jurisdictions in this facility. There's a there's a uh, set of buildings. It's its own separate section of the base where the strike team does its training, does its field ops. It has its own command center. Uh, Strike team has their own vehicles, their own vehicle maintenance crews, their own technicians. All of those things belong to the strike teams. One of the other things the strike teams do is they tend to work off book. They have what they consider assets that work on their vehicles and work closely with their teams. They can be for various reasons. It can either be for special knowledge or special specific mission knowledge, depending on what's going on. That said, we'll jump right into it. You are all in the briefing room at your command post. Your commander, Lieutenant Colonel Martin Mysick, is your CO. He will be briefing you. On your op order, when you entered the room, you were provided that from your S2, which is your intelligence officer, First Lieutenant Lockwood. You have a few minutes before the meeting begins. You all know each other vaguely. You've seen each other in the facilities. You knew you were all getting assignments. You did not know that you'd be assigned to the same strike team. There are more members that may or will join the strike team at a later point. These are the only people who are in the meeting at this point. This is a highly secure area. You are not required to be in any specific uniform for this particular briefing. Civilian clothing, non-traditional or non-military clothing is allowed in these briefings. Strike teams do different kinds of missions. You are not required to be in a specific uniform at any one time unless an op order says so. That said, the floor is yours. Please converse. We are waiting for your colonel to arrive. Or better yet, why don't we describe ourselves? Shao is walks in, sits in a deep chair. You get the sense that Shao is a little shy by nature, but in a setting where they can't be introverted as they might normally be. So he's wearing sort of small, slight, wearing uh, loose-fitting black pants and shirt, and quietly observing the rest of you. You get the sense that she'll speak if spoken to, or if there's something that comes up, actively interested, but isn't going to be the first one to talk. Oscar? Oscar is uh, pretty nondescript, average height, average weight, the face that would blend into a crowd, spends a lot of time tapping away at his tablet, reviewing personnel files, looking at people, checking security. He will nod at the people he's uh, familiar with. It's uh, good to see you again. I I, uh, look forward to what we do together. Mercury. Mercury is uh, Mexican-American heritage. He is a good-looking young man. He um, wears a lot of bright leather. He stands out in appearance and attitude. He talks a lot. Always checking out what's going on. Definitely rough around the edges in terms of probably frustrating a lot of you team technical members because he doesn't really pay attention to much of that. Definitely trying 
the driver that he basically uh, is for the team. And he likes to do things spontaneous. He reacts spontaneous. Uh, a little temper once in a while can flare out of him, but he's definitely super loyal. You do know him from his MO that he has never left anyone behind, even staying in the thick of fire to make sure he pulls out every one of the team. Excellent. And Dealer, uh, white European descent, no distinct nationality from what you see. He has uh, got a relaxed but the air of danger around him and obviously has some military training or military background just from the comfort he has in the situations uh, and the way he holds himself. Excellent. And he's currently sitting relaxed at the table, not feet not quite up because that would be really uh, disrespectful, but sitting in the chair, slouched a little bit relaxed, eyeing everyone else in the team. Lieutenant Lockwood is a female, blue eyes, red hair. She's a bit below average for her height. She always comes across as being pretty smart, at least does her job competently. Without any reservation, she's good at her job. From what you've seen around her from around the base, she is a bit slight. Her uniform, she's in uniform, somewhat casual. She's in a Class B style uniform, which is basically not like battle fatigue, that type of thing, but it's uh, still military style, but it's not like dress uniform fully. For those who are not in the military, I'll describe some of those terms. There are at least two of us here who have a great deal of experience with that. For our audience, I'll explain some of the more specific military terms as we come up, come across them as we go. She's got a laptop. There's a set of monitors that are sent that are there. She plugs her laptop into a docking station. She has a special key card that she swipes on in three separate places. And then you can see just from the reflection in her glasses, the lights on her monitors come up so you can tell that her system is loading. She does a few things. A, a digital board is lowered. It's basically like a clean sh sheet of glass or plexi that drops down from the ceiling upon which information can and will be projected. And it is done in a way so that it is by perspective. So if somebody's sitting on your side of, of the room, you'll see it in front of you. If you're on the other side of the room, you'll see the same display the other way. You can still see the people on the other side of that plexi, a conversation and communication is still free, uh, but you're only going to see the information you need to see in order to, to be able to do that. You each also have at your stations a, a small display that allows you to highlight and take notes of things you wish. In other words, if there's something that you need to keep, you want, wish to write down, feel free to jot down those notes. The op order themselves, which is digital, not paper, is on a pad that you'll have to leave within this facility. However, you have a, de a device that will take your specific notes down. At this point, once she is set up and ready to go, she taps on her earpiece and says, Colonel, we're prepared. We're ready to go. And she taps her earpiece again, and she sits at the ready. The colonel opens the door. She stands up. Dealer would stand up as well when the CEO enters the room. Protocol, Oscar, you being a formal team member would also do so? Okay. The colonel steps in. The colonel has graying hair, blue eyes. He is below average for height, so he's a fairly short man. 
he's known as being not very technically technical or technically savvy. In fact, he has a reputation for being very annoyed by overly technical details. He holds a pad in his right hand and seems to be indicating on it with his left. And he is also well known for many successful missions with strike teams in the past. He's actually one of the original strike team members from when the organization was first formed. He steps in and he says to, he looks at the group, agents, take seats. On the table, looking attentively. Flip open the laptop and start ready to, to note things down. I sit and lounge. Who <clears throat> has a tablet and a smart pen, which looks like a fountain pen. You can tell she likes writing by hand. Welcome to Hanscom. This is the strike team facility. You're in our briefing room. You've been assigned to me. I don't know why they keep assigning me uh, nuggets for uh, my strike team members, but here's here we go. We got a lot going on, so I'm going to go right into the op order. I'm not one for hand-holding. I'm not one for uh, grandstanding, but I'll be straight into the point. As strike team members, you will have a great deal of responsibility. While most of your missions should remain clandestine, a large part of your mission is the face of this organization. You are the heroes when everybody's heroes fail them. You are the defense when all other defenses have been breached. You are the storm when the enemy thinks they have shelter. Welcome. You are hereby designated as Strike Team 0148 Designation Magnum. You will operate under Hanscom Command, New England Field Office. That said, We'll get right to the op order. Lieutenant, does the team have their orders? Yes, sir. Excellent. I won't read the whole thing, but I will go over the most important parts. Regarding the situation, there are too many problems and too few of you. Therefore, you're being farmed out appropriately. Any questions with that? No, sir. Yeah, I raise my hand. Is this going to take up most of the weekend, sir? If it takes until the weekend, you will have done something wrong. You're flying out on a Monday. If you're not back by Friday, we're going to have extra duties around the facility for your team. Yes. As such, you'll be sent out to the San Francisco field office. You'll be reporting to their command and taking on a set of their missions. Specifically, you'll be handling asset checks. You'll be making sure their various assets in whatever capacity are where they're supposed to be, how they're supposed to be, and they're as safe as they're supposed to be. You are to report on any problems or issues with any of any parts of that, that verified mission. Any questions on that? Xiao shakes her head again. Next thing, very important. Powers of B feel that it is important we have a better face to our overall organization. We are struggling with recruitment. Whether that is because the world is becoming more partisan and nationalistic again or not, I can't say. 
What I can say is I fully support any effort to make sure we have the proper flow of valid candidates. In the intelligence world is a small world. There are not a lot of people who have the skills, the temperament, and the resolve to be good at this type of work. You are among the elite few in the world that can do this job. But we need to have a better outreach in order to make sure we get the next generation as well. That said, command has made sure that many of our units, and this unit in specific, has an embedded reporter who is security cleared, who will report on how we do what we do. Not necessarily the specifics of any given mission, but definitely the how we do what we do. Because if our story is good, then we have more people to help us build the future. Sir, it's our job to keep this reporter alive. I think it's more my job to keep you alive. To be specific, the reporter is considered part of this team. It is every team member's job to stay alive. If you come back dead, I will be pissed. And there will be extra work for whoever survives if that happens. The mission to die denied. Got it. Yeah. This reporter's going to take pictures. I can't. I, I know I got a pretty face and all, but I, I can't have. I can't have pictures. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm on loan from who I really work for in part. Xiao says I have no intention of revealing the the identity of any of us. Then let's move on. Yes. For the portion of the mission that asks us to uh, procure lists and verify monitoring equipment, what sort of other resources will we be provided with? That'll be all provided on the local level. They should have what they need. If you think that they may fall short, that's something you're going to have to determine and take from available equipment here. There are just a few programs that I will need access to. Colonel, when you say uh, take, is that any way we can? Take, request, get approved, package, and remove. Paperwork, Colonel? Come on. I'm good with paperwork, Colonel. The lieutenant will assist you unless you annoy her. All right. I'll take care of the paperwork. Important things to note, wheels up, I will be at 1400 Romeo time. It is currently 1312 Romeo time. You will be flying one of, one of our strike team's own, own planes from here to Palo Alto Airport. The Gulfstream C6, the crew is used to ferrying around strike teams. So I would get to know them as they are typically going to be set up to be your air transport to and fro. Excellent. Taylor, what other things do you think we shall requisition before heading out? Colonel, if uh, you have nothing more of us, we could, I could sit down with my team and we can go through this stuff. I don't want to waste your time. Uh, Oscar, uh, we'll, we'll discuss this as soon as the colonel is done. Thank you. Dealer, this is pretty. For at this point, what's important to note is the basic things. You will report to the local field office. They will be your command while you're in theater. 
all mission information from there will be handled by local command and their protocol. I am informed you will have three channels for communications. They, San Francisco office does have two react teams available and you are to avoid any entanglements with local Leos. That sounds boring. Get arrested this time, Mercury. That was only because I got my tires. It was most difficult to scrub that report out of the official records. Please do not make me do that again. Oscar, like you had a weekend to do anything anyways. Give me something to do. This is a mission that is generally non-combat in order. In other words, civilian clothes, discreet weapons, discreet armor. What about discreet cars? Local transportation will be provided from the field office. I would suggest nondescript this time, Mercury. No, you guys are all boring. This is a very boring mission already. Last thing, please pay attention to your report. You will notice your comms designations. Mag 1, Tango, Oscar. Mag 1, Alpha, Dealer. Mag 1, India, Zhao. Mag 1, Victor, Mercury. If there's a need for air support, Icarus. If there's a need for medevac, Wicker Basket. And if there is a need for indirect fire, Apollo. There should be no need for any type of indirect fire. And finally, challenge and password, Suede Puma. You hear that, dealer? Not like the last time. Keep it quiet. That was not my fault. Upon saying the challenge and password, he turns to the lieutenant, who's, who smirks a little bit and continues typing, looking down, avoiding eye contact with the colonel. Shall notice that. And with that, the colonel says, the mission briefing is at its conclusion. Are there any final questions? Shao shakes her head. No, colonel. Just eager to please. We'll get going. So eager to please. Zhao. Yes. You are a part of this team. I fully support this mission. My people fully support this mission. We need to have more people in general. If you are going to be a part of that, then that's what we need. All the same duties and privileges. Your clearance level at this point is five. The team member's clearance level is six. Dealer, you have seven. Got it. Thank you, sir. Understood, sir. And he gets ready. He says, this meeting is closed. You are dismissed. And he walks out. And when he stands up to get out, I also stand waiting for him to leave. Okay. And Lieutenant stands as well. And then the colonel uh, leaves. Door closes. Lieutenant sits back down. Says, if you, I'm here to take down whatever your equipment needs would be for the gear up. And I'll make sure that that equipment is uh, procured and loaded onto the plane. We are wheels up in 40, so speed is of the essence. What is Uh, our uh, operational budget? Oscar, we're wheels up in 40. You've got five minutes to make a list of stuff you need. 
Uh, Mercury, is there anything that you can think of off the top of your head you need? Just driving around, I can just take whatever we find. I figured. I would recommend I regret because we're supposed to be on the DL uh, for everyone that wishes one. And uh, ciao, welcome. What exactly uh, do you need, if anything? I'm all set. Don't need anything. I'm thinking you want to blow things up again. There's a time and a place, and doing an inventory for some San Francisco people that are overworked or think they are because they have too many woke things going on and whatever. Uh, We'll go do our inventory of their assets and slip in and slip out and hopefully have some real job to do next time, something where you get to fly something souped up and and more to your liking than Mercury. So stay in line this time, and maybe next time we'll get something more advantageous. Speaking of which, Mercury. Are you proficient with the airplane in case we have pilot problems? Figure out we need to. If you can fly one thing, you can fly another, eh? That's what my boy ever said, so it's all good. I just think you guys might want to get some stuff to blow up. Shell says quietly to the lieutenant, what was that about the shoes? Nothing. Just trying to come up with uh, challenging passwords that fit into... uh, conversation normally. She also says the individual budget would be 500 per agent. Feel free to pull those resources if you feel it is necessary for mission completion. There may be additional budget expenditures available from the local field office as this is their op. Yeah. Taylor's going to leave his tactical vest and try to get an undercover vest because he doesn't need to be walking around doing inventory and checking on assets. Tactical vest, this is not that situation. And he will leave his carbine behind and look for a second concealable pistol so that he will have two light pistols instead of the one. Cool, cool. Any uh, changing gear for you, Mercury, or picking up anything in specific? Might grab whatever med kits store somewhere. Grab like four or five of those just in case. All right, sounds good. Oscar. Oscar is going to request some programs, a screen logger, a, a trap sensor, Dave's tools, and a key logger. I know they're 200 a piece, but because of my background, because of my background feature, I can half the price of first level programs. Excellent. And so everybody's on budget. Gear has been uh, requested. The time goes while you're here. You've got time to get out to the airfield, which is actually adjacent to this facility. Basically, you will walk from this facility through the supply area. And and as you're walking into the supply area, you will notice that suitcases with your gear have, or cases with your gear are being loaded on a uh, cart system and being pushed by uh, facility personnel and towards the plane. The Gulf Stream is just that. It's Gulf Stream, military colors, gray, black. It's a nice plane. It's a very nice plane. They're a bit older of a model. This is a slightly souped up version. It's got some better tech, some better avionics. 
better communications, better electrical and computer gear. But the basic airframe is something that has been used since the 2020s and generally used to fly high-ranking military officials around and certain dignitaries and things like that when under military escort, that type of thing. Your co-pilots, a call sign is Jack Stand, and your, your pilot's a call sign is uh, Wave Rider. Again, new to the system, new to what it can do. At this kind of a distance, is there anything that I can do to try to get a readout of what's happening at the office that we're headed to? Is there any kind of inside information I can try to glean electronically? Absolutely. Doing so while you're en route is going to be difficult, but once you're on board the plane, this has the computer capacity and co connectivity to allow you to do just that. You can get, you can generally get any readily available clearance level available information while you're just on board without doing a lot that's fancy other than knowing where to look. As far as doing anything beyond that, digging deeper, that type of thing, that's where we have to get into specific roles and challenges. Yes, great question and something you would definitely be able to do once the plane takes off and it gives you clearance to utilize electronics and such like that. So once you're all in, gear secured. Um, there is an odd thing. There's actually a large case that is being loaded on. Mercury, you are familiar with this. It is actually a motorcycle that is basically you get to put it together when you land some um, assembly required it's not quite a rotex cyclone it's not that fancy it it's not quite something as fancy as a rotex cyclone but it takes about 20 minutes to get it put together but it's basically a vehicle that's got pretty good top speed it's an emergency vehicle so that you can you and at least one other person can get out of an area if the plane were to go down or what have you so if anyone were to be observing as sharply as Xiao obviously is, they would notice that she's really into the plane. Something vintage but souped up is just like, she's geeking out over it a little bit very quietly and also knows exactly what's in that motorcycle case and is into it. Uh, you're on board. Your uh, pilots are clicking their buttons and making their check. Jack stand, yeah. walks back to the party. She's a, she's fairly tall, not terrible, but, but proportionate. Like she's not built nor is she slender, but she's just really tall. And she has her hair cut short. She's got aviator glasses on. She is ready to go. She has not only her sidearm, but she also has another pistol um, in, in, in a holster nearby. She, she seems to always be ready to rock. And she uh, just, her demeanor is fairly hardcore. The uh, crew compartment of this aircraft is like you would find in a billionaire's jet. It's their nice seats. They, you've got a couple areas where they face each other. There's actually a few couches for when you're in flight or what have you. But generally it's a nice area there and there's compartments for food, stuff like that. So you guys can eat, do all that. They don't have stewards on board but that's a when it's when they give you clearance you can move about the aircraft at your leisure do what you need to do 
So, so say again. Is there booze? No, not that you see. I got Jackson. I'll tell that Jackson. Uh, Jackson, where's all the bourbon? Mercury. We don't keep bourbon on this thing. I this is a don't. military flight. You are lucky there are seats. Oscar, shut up. I'm talking to a woman. I know you don't have it on plain sight when the ranks around. I know you got some stash. Come on. Once you get in the air, get it out. It'll be a long flight. And I have to listen to him. Mr. Program over there. And his details. And his reports. If I have to do that without any booze, you're going to need that side on to shoot me in the head. She turns around. She looks at Oscar. I prefer to have the extra pilot than the extra programmer, so I suggest you don't annoy him. And then she turns around and she walks back towards the cockpit. And as she's sealing the door, her hand points to a compartment on the other side, and she just taps it three times. And then locks goes in and locks the door. Autopilot will replace her eventually. Shell's all strapped in and drawing something. And Dealer is in a comfortable corner, slouched down as much as possible with his shades on and pretending like he's not paying attention to anyone, but underneath he is noting whatever is going on. Oscar will strap himself in and seatbelt himself as securely as possible near a terminal so that he can have a working flight. Sounds good. Plane taxis takes off and you're airborne right on time. Everything is moving just the way it should. This plane flies beautifully. It's not bumpy. You, you make it. As soon as you hit altitude, the light comes on. Uh, the the uh, captain c- comes over the intercoms and he says, everyone, we are at altitude. We'll be cruising. We should be reaching our destination at the designated time. Weather there is expected to be very warm, 97, pretty seasonable these days. Gosh darn, it would have been nice if we fixed some things environmentally ahead of time, wouldn't it? Get back to that nice 70 degree weather that they used to have in San Francisco this time of year. That said, enjoy your flight and feel free to utilize any and all of the services at your disposal. If you have any questions, please contact your crew. So dealer's going to pull down his glasses and look at at Mercury, two fingers only. And I'll take one finger, please. And then puts his sunglasses back up and continues to lounge. We'll set him up. It is a, it it is a, when it was purchased, it was a 13-year Glenfiddich. However, it was purchased roughly 25 years ago. And there are ice, you can get ice from the ice maker. There are several juices. Or you can take it neat. No, no, dealer only drinks neat. Chow unstraps and turns to dealer while Mercury's occupied and says quietly, So, do you really think we're just checking assets? We're new. I don't think they got anything that important for us right now. I believe we are literally just checking assets, whether it's because they don't want to do it over there or whether it's a test for us, I'm not sure. But yes, I believe we are just checking assets and I'm not that happy about it. Perhaps it is better to think about it as verifying your sources. Chow smiles in a kind of oblique way at both of them and says, it's a long way to send a team just to check assets. 
Yeah, hey. and he does do the air quotes. He does not look happy about the terminology of nuggets. And Xiao smiles again at him and says, and it's an odd time to embed a journalist. Especially when they already have someone who is familiar with the role. Familiar with the role? Both of my parents were journalists during the initial kerfuffle with the world and had to go on the run for reporting the truth. I picked up a thing or two about social engineering. So, what are you beating around the bush here for, uh, What do you think? Oh, this is good, Mercury. This is good. Yeah. I'm going to pour uh, Zhao a glass, too, to see if he drinks. She waves it away, but politely. It's the kind of thing that makes me really curious. Checking assets. I've learned. Things aren't always what they seem. Oscar, might mm. you be able to do some of your magic? I point at the computer that I'm sitting in front of. Tech whizzy thing and see if we can get a list of what assets we're supposed to check. Crack open a Red Bull. Forewarned is forearmed. Indeed. That was my intention all along. Information gathering. Yeah, so in that case, I'm going to consider it an investigation. But before you roll, please tell me what specifically you're looking for. So apparently, so would that be infotech or infiltration? Or insight. Tell me what you're looking for and then I'll I'll assign the appropriate uh, term. Initially, again, both uh, dealer and show are correct. Even a, a rookie team wouldn't just be sent out to verify assets. So there's something else going on. So I'm looking for any sort of reports that may have been buried or hidden, any irregularities that are occurring out of the San Francisco field office where we're being uh, rerouted to. And then on a darker web search, if possible, looking at any kind of underground activity that would be raising hackles. Please make an insight. Actually, Infotech to see if you get the documentation. Infotech would be a 19. All right, you were successfully able to pull up several types of reports from the San Francisco field office. Among them, reports about recruitment being down 70% in the in the San Francisco area, and lots of people in the last 10 years have been transferring out of San Francisco. You are also noticing reports from local law enforcement indicating that street crime is up by about 25 to 30%, drug crime up 25 to 30%. They seem to be roughly correlated. There is also an increase in white collar crime that is about 10 to 15%. And it seems to be striking many of the tech companies that have that, that are either headquarters or have major facilities in and around San Francisco, which are a lot of them. Effectively, a lot of bad, bad money issues that are being investigated by various agencies and a lot of corporate espionage being investigated by lots of different agencies. Definitely note that aside and file that for later deep dive. I wanted to roll for insight into what Oscar finds. 
So Absolutely. I queued up the roll in advance to speed things up. I got a nat 20 plus four. So, and I have some insights of my own into what Oscar just told the rest of us. But I'm also interested in what you might have to say. So what you're noticing is that there have been some reports that seem to have been quashed, kiboshed, or pushed under the rug, given no credence, that are connecting a lot of these dots. That some of the money that's paying for this corporate espionage is coming from illicit drug tra trafficking. And that there are, there is at least two inside investigations that there may be some corruption at the San Francisco field office. So Xiao says, that whole pattern of reports sounds like something I've seen before. Some kind of internal corruption going on. And we're the brand new folks coming in like a bunch of tiny bulls in a china shop. They know none of us have already been corrupted because we're new. And they just want to see what falls over and gets broken. Indeed, that does sound appropriate. With that in mind, I will try to do a dive into who has been there the longest and if anyone is living outside of their means. That is also going to be an info tech. That is a dirty, uh, that's not even dirty, that's a 21. Excellent. You are able to determine quite easily that the field office is, is being commanded by a special agent, Lamont, Arthur Lamont, He's been there for about 20 years and he started at the agency in a security position, put himself through college. So he's actually one of the originals here, like right after the field office first opened. He put himself through college as, as a security guard and became a field agent for a short time, but basically has been here his whole time. He also has some experience. He used to work in prior to being a security guard here. He was a security guard at a now defunct agency uh, of the U.S. government Homeland Security group, part of Homeland Security that dealt in all different sorts of threats, but that got shut down because they had massive agent overreach even though they were getting successfully getting the job done, they it basically got to the point where they couldn't even trust to have that organization opened up or continue. So that organization got shut down. But that wouldn't have been him. He wasn't in charge. He was just a, he was a, a mook at the time. He was a security guard. He wasn't even there <clears throat> on the day. I mean, th that agency was plagued with issues. Like they had tons mm -hmm. of issues. There were terrorist attacks. There were all kinds they had moles in that place it was terrible like they were constantly violating laws rumors of suspects being tortured all kinds of breaches they had some pretty they had some rogue agents that did things now to be fair were they successful absolutely yes they were successful they stopped a lot of threats out of that office but they didn't do it by the book so they were operating under an ends justify the means principle Two or three individuals who were there were operating under an ends justify the means and basically got the whole operation shut down. So this Arthur Lamont, early strike team, 
guy. Yep. The Colonel's an early strike team guy, too. I wonder if they know each other. I will cross-reference both of their names and see where they intersect. Certainly. So, dealer is going to come up to you, Oscar, lean over your shoulder, look over the, your shoulder at the screen. This doesn't look like a list of what assets we're supposed to be checking on. Have you even got to that part yet? Or did you go down a rabbit hole? No. We are definitely investigating where the uh, corruption comes from and why we are there. If it is related to this Arthur Lamont, we will want to know. He is the only one who has remained while everyone else leaves. Which could be coincidental, but what are we supposed to be checking on? That might get some light on to what they want us to do there. Is it people? Is it actual undercover assets in safe houses? What are we going to check on? What assets are they talking about? We are getting there. Give it time. It's only about a three hour flight. And it's already been 15 minutes. Still, says Xiao, dealers, if we look at what China shops they want us to blunder into, that'll give us some clues. So, after this cross reference, indeed. So, you're going to do the cross reference? Yes. All right, I'm going to need you to make two Infotech rolls. First is an 18. Okay. The second is a 22. You are definitely able to see that the Colonel and and the Lamont. field officer Lamont. So I have to write that what? down. Were in service together, and they were part of the same strike team. Uh, they were, strike team Charlie is what they were a part of. They were originally out of the uh, New York field office uh, at the time when before Hanscom was completed. Most New York operations went to there. There's no longer a strike team in New York specifically, though they still have a field office in New York City. It's basically a smaller building attached to the United Nations complex, but it's pretty much administrative and tech and comms in nature. Less operational things happen there. But they were both out of that office with five other agents. Are the other agents still active or retired or otherwise? Redistributed? I, I was going to say dead, but yeah, that's a way of redistribution. <laughs> the final redistribution? <laughs> there are only three members of that original team still alive. The Colonel, Lamont, and Jonathan Drake. Since Taylor knows Oscar was going down the rabbit hole instead of doing what he said, he's going to go pour himself another finger. Okay. And then go sit back into the... While they're at this, what's Mercury up to? Just listening to these guys rant about crazy shit and wondering how much more of the drug stuff they're going to talk about. That's uncomfortable. Xiao says to, to Oscar, where's Drake now? I was going to look up what Drake's specialty is, but also his current location and assignment. His specialty? Explosives. Dealer, you should have brought more bombs. His current whereabouts? San Francisco, USA. On the job or retired? He is retired. He is operating as a private detective in San Francisco. He is on your asset checklist. Okay. So Shao 
grins at dealer says and, and says, see, we got there. All in due time, dealer. Never doubt Oscar. Again, pulling the glasses down, looking over the top. Always, Oscar, always. Just a matter of time. We'll focus on the rest of the asset list and look through some of the human assets as well as physical assets and data assets that we would be reviewing. So specifically, you're looking at human assets and they fall into two or three different categories. One are going to be protective assets. Those are going to be people who have been under witness protection. They're no longer specifically under witness protection, but the agency still chooses to keep an eye on them in case there are any threats. Basically, even after the initial threats are done, if something were to start happening to certain people who've been part of previous uh, cases and situations, that could be an indication of an old problem rearing its head again. So this agency tends to be proactive in checking on these folks. They pay for security for these folks indefinitely. They they do general monitoring, and it's basically something that the local field office is responsible for. They can do that in one of a couple different ways. They can hire out to trusted individuals to do that for them. Frequently, private investigators or security firms will do this, or they will do so themselves depending on the threat level involved. So that's where most of these are coming in. So the, rabbit holing that one, okay. how many of these protective assets appear to have been compromised recently and within the last X number of years since this corruption issue has come to light? It's actually hard to say because San Francisco is a year behind on their checks. How many of them? says Shao, have connections to Lamont. Plug that in and cross-reference that list with Lamont. Just the detective. Yeah. Sorry, brain cramped. (laughs) Yeah, my apologies. So none of the other WITSEC people. Yeah, Drake is not a WITSEC. He does not follow the WITSEC. He's not a WITSEC person, but he's not been investigating any of them, which would be a PI's role. Correct. If he was hired by the agency well, for that. No, he has done some of those jobs. Specifically. Okay, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Who, have any of them interacted with both Lamont and Drake? There are three individual. There are probably five or six individuals on the list in total that, that you are specifically about to be assigned because you don't even officially know who you're getting assigned yet. You will know that when you land. That's when they'll tell you who you're assigned. You already did. That's what I'm okay. giving you now. Okay, so, sorry. Of the ones that you are assigned, none of the WITSEC folks fall into that category. However, there are a large number of WITSEC folks from early San Francisco field office cases that did have interaction with both because they would have both been agents on the case before San Francisco, when the San Francisco office first opened. Drake retired out of this office. But there could be more recent contact with Drake as a PI, but the records aren't current. Correct. Is there any sort of non-filed records that can be accessed? Things that haven't been put into official cataloging yet? Drake has not filed anything and done any official work for the office in the last five years. And do you know one thing about Drake? He doesn't trust computers. 
and he only uses paper documentation or isolated computers with no internet connection. Xiao looks at you sidelong and says, there's a lot that happens off book. And it looks to me as though this whole operation is designed not to appear. Drake's entire record in life is off book. It is going to have to come down to hard copy. Kind of shudders. What are you guys guys saying? We're going in to cause some trouble? We very well could be stirring the hornet's nest. I think you and I are the ones to cause it. What? You said protective assets was one of the two things. What was the The other, actually there are three groups. Uh, The the second group are released criminals. Basically those who were caught, did their time, have been released and reside within uh, the field office. This office makes no pretense of saying any of them are reformed, but they're saying they did their time. So they do keep their tabs on. This record happens to be better updated. They are behind, but not as badly. In fact, you have one of them on your list. And with that one, that will get them caught up uh, to where they should be at this stage. So they're not behind. They've managed to keep up with this list quite well. And who is that? Uh, That is... And what was his crime? So, Mercury, the more they dig, the the worse this thing smells. So whatever official transportation they give us when we go to leave, I want you to ditch it as soon as possible in a way that keeps it looking like it's going about its business and find us some clean transportation. Somebody who was actually incarcerated for RICO, but in actuality, they are suspected, though they could not be proven to be identified. The name is D- Damien Shonis, which is one believed to not be an accurate name. They actually are relatively convinced that it's a fake name, but the documentation was so solid that they literally had to go to court and just arrest him and do that. That's how bulletproof that backstop was. They could not get to the individual's real name nor could they officially connect him as being the assassin known as the devil. They are an individual in their 30s. They are known to have piercing green eyes. They are they are known for presenting in multiple ways. 511, considered to be cynical, considered to be a very dangerous individual. But whoever, and though not particularly intelligent, somebody is backing them that has made them where they were. There was even, he actually spent seven years almost entirely in isolation because the belief was they are sent to prison because whoever is backing that individual actually had people in prison that they wanted off. So they kept them in prison isolated to make sure that they were not able to conduct yet another hit while they were in. And that seven years in prison was his entire stint because 
Yeah, they got reputed him on or thought presumed assassins in prison under Rico. You'd think more than seven years. That's not what he went for. He went for other things that happened with that Rico investigation. Further, <clears throat> they had never had any evidence on this individual of any kind ever before, and all of a sudden, a whole boatload of it showed up that got them at least that connected them to only get this type of sentence. It was gotcha. enough to get him in the right security level prison, not enough to get whatever. And this person had a boatload of money that was given to them through fans along the way. Specifically send that file to dealer. So here, we don't want to go run off to the first thing that we found that we're not supposed to know about. So between the two of you, Oscar and Joe, I want you to come up with a cover list of less likely subjects that the ghost vehicle can go at. And then once we have clean transportation, I want one, two, three, top three priorities for us to check out for this possible. Absolutely. Good thinking, dealer. So say, dealer, when we were still in front of the colonel, you were asking if you had to keep me alive. If we might encounter this assassin, I really want to know who in this group has combat training. I am well-versed in network. Mercury, how about you? Oscar? I am lethal in Fortnite. That will, that will get the glasses pulled out enough that everyone can see Dealer roll his eyes before putting them back up. And Shao turns to Dealer and says, all right, so we know who we need to protect. I, I reach into my pocket and pull out a taser. I have really never needed more than this. I tend to Stay in the van. Yeah, those tickle. Xiao takes her smart pen and flicks it across the cabin directly into a bullseye, improvised bullseye, and looks over at you, dealer, then walks over and picks it back out. You get a nod of respect. One last thing. The devil is extremely fit, extremely strong, and... Their uh, signature is variable, and it almost always includes improvisation. Some of the murders attributed to the devil have been with scarves. Others have been with champagne flutes. There was a car and jack stand death attributed to them. And then there was one where, after a great deal of investigation, an entire apartment complex was exploded gas main and, and went up. So with such a, a wide and varied means of completing work, how are all of these attributed to just one person? Was there some other type of signature that was left behind? Yes. The devil consistently left a, a pentagram calling card. That card has been tracked to a series of different dealers in third world na- or manufacturers in third world nations and it was specifically tracked back to about 60 years ago and a case of these were sent and then that manufacturer um, stopped doing business that um, that investigation turned up the reason why the manufacturer did well, all of the things for that were destroyed and all personnel that worked at that facility were killed. So 
they are confident it's one individual or one individual organization. They're not sure of that. They can't really prove that one way or the other. And like I said, the link between this is supposed. In fact, in looking at the records, there is one individual who has said the devil is this Shonus individual, and that individual is Drake. But、uh, the cards themselves. Were printed sixty、yes. years ago before、yes. the devil was even born. Correct. And there are no other known assassinations before this individual's time frame started, which was about fifteen years ago. That is just bizarre. Thoughts on this one, Bela? I think we need more information. I don't think we can make any. I think it's premature to make any. Jumping conclusions right now. We need to figure out more. I will conduct a deeper dive once I have connection to a landline. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com. Where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys dot com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts. And maybe even appear in one of our actual plays. You can join our Patreon to help support the show at Patreon.com/ttjourneys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.